Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Tobin Lindsay, a grateful member of the Epworth community, and I'll be reading Luke 24, 44 through 53. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And see, I am sending upon you what Abba, God, promised, to stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and, lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them, and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God.
please. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been doing something? Maybe it was traveling or creating something or being part of some group or working in your own job. The whole time you're thinking, and the whole time you're thinking, how did I get so lucky to get to do this? Well, that was my experience when I started seminary. It had taken me a couple of years of discernment after college with a path that went through Washington, D.C., working with refugees, then to Kansas City, working in a retail store for a few months and applying to Ph.D. programs in religion, to working in a church, to realize that I felt called to be a pastor. I hadn't expected to work in a church, but in applying to doctoral programs in my early 20s, I needed recommendations, and one of the recommendations I requested resulted in an offer to serve as an intern in a large suburban church. My job description was pretty vague, though it did specify that young adult ministry was my focus. So I got a list of everyone in the church who was in the young adult category and everyone who had been in the church youth group over the previous eight years and began calling, inviting the person who answered to an initial gathering before church one morning. What faith I had in these young adults to think that a 9 a.m. gathering was my best offer to get them back to church. I got to the church early and set up the food and the coffee and the room, and I waited I wondered if anyone would actually come, and they came. They talked about their lives and their hopes. They reconnected with genuine affection. And then we began to serve together most weekends through that summer, building habitat houses, doing maintenance and yard work at a ministry called Crosslines in an under-resourced part of Kansas City. We prayed together, 
laughed together, shared lives together. And a dream began to take shape for me of ministry and serving and pastoring and organizing with people for good. Over coffee or lunch or a walk, I heard hopes as well as struggles from the members of this church. And I was deeply moved at the gift and privilege of being able to be present to the most significant moments of people's lives. At the end of that summer, I traveled north with two of my good friends who were heading to Madison, Wisconsin for graduate school. They dropped me off just north of Chicago where I spent a couple of blissful weeks setting up my room in the large house on Lake Michigan where I'd been offered a space in the home of one of my theological heroes, a woman who's considered one of the mothers of feminist theology, who was also a professor at my seminary. The academic year began with a retreat day full of singing and praying and talking about the Bible. All day I kept thinking, how did I get so lucky to get to do this? And then it got even better. I met my wife, Elizabeth, and knew the experience of being in love. The vision of being a pastor was so clear. I didn't initially see my coming out as being inconsistent with the dream, even though I knew about the United Methodist Church's prohibition against LGBTQ clergy. But then, Seminary professors and fellow students alike began to say, no, this won't work, or you will not be a pastor. What had been an experience of ministering in joy and hope, imagining a future, serving in a local church in Kansas, turned to depression. In the scene just before our scripture, which was read today, Jesus had appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't recognize him, but he suggests to them that in his suffering, death, and resurrection, all that was foretold in the scriptures would come to pass. But they still don't recognize him. And as they come to the village of Emmaus, they ask him to stay with them, this stranger, to come inside and break bread with them. And in the breaking of the bread, and the sharing of the cup, they realize that this is Jesus who has been with them. He departs from them, but they continue talking about him and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread as they now head toward Jerusalem. And there again, Jesus appears and stands among them saying, peace be with you. They could not believe their eyes, but he shows them the wounds in his hands and feet. The scripture says, while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave, gave him a, a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then our scripture for today picks up the story. Jesus says to the disciples after he had eaten of the fish, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written 
that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, he said to them. Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand three key things. First, that the joy of his presence is still with them. Second, that the promise of reconciliation and repentance, repentance and reconciliation, of freedom, of fullness, continues to be real. And finally, that the call to share this good news, this call to those who follow him, to witness to it, to all with whom they come in contact, is still very much alive. Your dream, Jesus was saying to the disciples, is still very much alive. Don't give up on it. But the disciples had a hard time seeing this. They were remembering the halcyon days of being with this charismatic young prophet. Their futures of traveling and growing, the growing crowds clear in their minds. This is not the future that they had imagined, the one that seems to be, Jesus seems to be setting up or this stranger seems to be pointing to. This isn't what they, they thought about, what they dreamed about. This is not the way they had envisioned sharing the good news. They can see this is going to be harder than they thought. Where before they could follow and support basking in the, the glory of Jesus's glow, now they had to step up. Now it depended on them. And they have a different story to tell, one that is more complex about a, a suffering God who conquered and persists through love and nonviolence. But, but it's, not, it's not the clear, happy story they, they thought they were going to be telling. We can see them even when Jesus is appearing to them and reaffirming his presence and his promise, just kind of shaking their heads, feeling low and saying, I don't know about this. When I was in seminary, falling deeper in falling deeper into depression as more voices joined the chorus of you cannot, I finally sought help and began seeing a therapist. As we talked, gradually the anger and the fog began to lift. At one point, as I began to feel better, I asked her why there were still times when I felt low. You're grieving the loss of a dream, she said. Well, while most of the time I would nod to what she said or reflect about it, in response to that statement, I felt a visceral rejection of her words. I imagine she meant to affirm what she saw as true. And in naming that truth, the experience of anger and denial in me could give way to sadness and loss, but eventually acceptance. But my whole soul and body reacted strongly against her words, and I said, I'm not grieving a dream. I'm preparing for it. I had never given up on the call to ministry. I just didn't know how to make it work. I don't believe the disciples stopped believing in the truth and power of what they had experienced with Jesus, or that they had stopped feeling called to share his good news after he was crucified. 
But after the brutality and violence of his arrest and murder, they didn't know how. What they thought it would look like was obviously not what it was going to be. This is true for so many of us in our lives. We have plans. We have a vision of what the future will look like, but then something happens and we have to accept it won't look like we thought it would. This is a hard process. It takes time and it does involve grief. We think of Easter as a single day, a high point, but really it's, it's not just a day, it's a season. It's another season of preparation. It's the seven weeks between Easter Sunday and the day of Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Then for the next 48 days, we try to make sense of what the heck just happened. Along with the disciples, we grieve the loss of one dream so that we can make way for a new one. This is the work of both grief and preparation. During that time in seminary when I was receiving messages from so many directions that what I thought would be my future would not be my future, I was very angry with God. How could you call me to serve and lead me to accept this calling only to have the way blocked? I wonder if the disciples felt that way too on witnessing this gruesome death of their beloved Jesus. But one day I turned my anger directly at God and yelled at God saying, how could you do this? What kind of setup was this? And I heard in a clear and loving voice, God say, there will always be a place for you to serve. And in 26 years of ministry, that has always been true. But I had to let go of what I thought it was going to look like. My therapist was right. I was grieving the loss of one version of the dream. And I was right too. I was preparing for that dream, just a different version of it. The good news for all of us this morning is that though the contours and details of the dream may need to shift, the dream of life lived in fullness, in wholeness, and in joy is still very much alive. The good news is that there will always be a place for you to serve. Go and proclaim the good news to all who are lost, all who suffer, all who seek life lived in divine presence and in community. And remember, you are witnesses to these things. Amen.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.